0: Genesis chapter 12 is where uh, we're going to be today. I'm honored to share God's word with you today. And as you're turning there, I want to remind us of a very popular centuries-old song that'll get us thinking in the right direction. This song originated as a British folk dance back in the early 1800s. It has since been sung around campfires and at festivals in Australia, Denmark, Germany, Mexico, New Zealand, the UK, and of course, the United States and Canada, all over the world. This song and dance that went with it peaked in popularity in the 1940s and became a chart topper in the 1980s. It has since been used in pop culture, from advertising to TV shows, films, and, and it made even appearances in other songs and you may know it. It goes something like this, a very profound song. It says you put your left hand in. You you put your left hand out. You put your left hand in, and you you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around, and that's what it's all about. I think Pastor Tanner and Pastor Reddy are going to demonstrate that in the lobby um, after the service for you, so make sure to stick around for that. You'll have to forgive me for the cheesy connection, the cheesy intro here, but, but as I introduced, as I was thinking and praying over today, that that's what it's all about kept on coming to my mind. You see, when we look at the totality of Scripture All sixty-six books from Genesis to Revelation, all the different genres, all the different authors, over span of of hundreds and hundreds of years, there's one refrain in all of Scripture, and that is, Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus even told us as much in in Luke twenty-four. Verse 27, as Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with two of his followers, he's walking, he appears to them, and, and, and this is after his, his, his crucifixion, this is after his death and his resurrection, it's in the time before he ascends back to the Father, he, and, and he appears to two of his disciples, and he's walking with them on the road. And, and the, the gospel writer Luke tells us, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Moses and all the prophets was a designation for all of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the historical books, the poetry, the prophets, all of it. Dr. Stephen Um, the fellow pastor here in Boston, he quotes Brian Chapel in one of his books. He says that, that this doesn't mean that every text mentions Jesus. We're not trying to read Jesus into every verse of the Bible but rather, every text, every text of Scripture relates some aspect of God's redeeming grace that finds its fullest expression in Christ. So, the new sermon series that, that we're excited to start and kick off this morning is Jesus is the story. Jesus is the story. We'll be bringing texts from all over the Bible that show that Jesus is the fulfillment all of the promises of Scripture to show that he is what it's all about. And we're going to be looking today at the story of Abraham, and so I hope that you're with me in Genesis 12. I'm going to give you some quick traveling points that we learned from the text in Genesis about his life, and then I hope to show you how this promise that was made to Abraham culminates in the life and work of Jesus. So let's read in Genesis 12. Let's look at verse 1. shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place that Shechem, to the oak at Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. Father, we pray that you bless the proclamation of your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll open our minds to understand, open our eyes to see. And Jesus, show yourself to be the promised, the promised one who came to die for our sins. Thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. God's threefold promise to Abraham is land, nation, and blessing. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write that down. God's threefold promise to Abram is this, land, nation, blessing and blessing. Abram was, was later renamed Abraham. He was from Ur the Chaldeans. It was a land in southern Mesopotamia, if you remember from geography class, which was the Fertile Crescent. This was a place that was steeped in paganism. And God actually first called his father to take his family out of this land and into the Promised Land. But for unknown reasons, they stopped short in a major crossroads town called Haran. After Abraham's father dies, God calls again here in chapter 12. He says, go to the land that I'll show you. And Abraham obeys and begins this journey to the land. And so let's dig into each of those real quick. Land, what land are we talking about? The land of Canaan was a small strip of land by the Mediterranean Sea, flowing with milk and honey. The Canaanites lived there. They were descendants of Canaan, who was a grandson of Noah, We learn later in Scripture that the Canaanites were big. They were strong people. Their cities were big and fortified. God tells Abraham in 12.7, to your offspring I will give this land. I want to give you a quick flyover over the next couple of hundred years of how this would transpire. It's so important to our understanding of the context in which this was written. You see, they settle in this land. They spend a couple of generations here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in that time of Jacob and his sons, there's a big famine in the land. You may remember this at the end of Genesis, where the brothers sell Joseph into Egyptian slavery. Do you remember that story? And God raises up Joseph in the Egyptian court, and he actually uses Joseph to spare the family during a big famine. So the whole family comes to Egypt, and now they're living In Egypt, they end up spending over 400 years in Egypt, in slavery. God uses a man named Moses to bring them out. Remember that they cross the Red Sea. They get to the precipice of the promised land. They're right there. They're looking back over into this land that God had promised them. And they lack faith. So they didn't get to go in. They spend 40 years just wandering around in the wilderness. And you can imagine how miserable of a time that would be. They're wandering around in the wilderness and before, uh, before Moses dies and then Joshua leads them into the promised land. I-, I share all that with you this morning because it's so important. It was during these wilderness wandering years that we believe Moses recorded the words in Genesis it was during these years when they were walking around and wandering. The audience was the unbelieving, the, the Israelites who were weak in faith. It, so it's like God, through his spirit, is using Moses to remind the people, have faith, have faith. I, I promise that you would receive this land. You're going to have this land. First traveling point I want to share with you is don't allow The agents of unbelief to stop you short of God's promise. Don't allow the agents of unbelief to stop you short of God's promises in your life. Speaking of Abraham, Paul writes in Romans 4 he says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he did. Had promised. What are the agents of unbelief that cloud your mind and may hinder your faith? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Not knowing how things will turn out. Anxiety. Insecurity. We all struggle with things like this. I would say there's been multiple times on our journey over the last two years as we felt God calling us to Boston. And now that we're here, multiple times over the last two years, that I'll speak for myself, that I personally experienced fear, anxiety, insecurity. And don't you know the enemy wanted to use that to keep us from stepping out? I specifically remember a time when I was driving home from Shreveport I had a um I had a hospital visit over there it's about an hour long drive I was driving back and, and and I just remember a time talking so closely to the Lord you know those times whenever the, the spirit just presses in and it was almost as if he was right there he was in there oh, obviously he was there with me but like you know like in the passenger seat like I was talking to him and I remember just going why Lord Lord if this isn't it take it <laughs> this doesn't make sense Lord, why, why would you be calling a boy from north Louisiana to the great city of Boston, Massachusetts? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, Lord. Speaking of land, I was driving by some of our family land on the way. So, like, you know, it just all kind of came together there. It didn't make sense, but we said, Lord, we'll go. We'll go. God told Abraham to go. Go in this direction. And as a matter of fact, he said, go in this direction. I'll show you where you're going when you get there. I'll tell you when to stop. He didn't even know exactly where he was going. And church, I would would say this morning, rarely, rarely as we walk on this life of faith, will you know all the details about how things will turn out. We're called to simply follow. We can't see the end, but God can. And we can trust him. God promised land. He promised a nation. This is the second thing that God promised to Abraham, a nation. He said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And this is important to know. At the time of this promise, they had no children. A couple of verses prior in chapter 11, it said that Sarai was barren. She had no child. Abraham was 75 years old. Sarah was about 10 years younger, so she was either 65 or 66. God reiterated this promise several times, the fact that they would have children, that they would have an offspring over the next 25 years. It took 25 years, and God's sovereignty took that long. Genesis 5, and he brought him outside. This is so important. God brought Abraham outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your offspring be. Talking again to Abram in Genesis 17, God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come. From you. Speaking to Sarah, he says, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations, and kings shall come from her. And this is the key to it all. Listen Genesis 15:6, this is the key. And Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is believing in someone or something, even when we can't see it. The second traveling point or question I want to ask you this morning is that we all have faith assumptions. We all have faith assumptions. Who or what is the object of your faith? In this room, we come from many different cultures, many different backgrounds, walks of life, and we praise God for that. Many of us would say that our faith is in God alone, but our actions or our feelings might show that rather our faith is in many things. Politics, science, religion, A sports team. God help you if you're with Boston Sports. Finances. Another person. We would say that our our faith is truly in God, but, but oftentimes if we're honest, we put our faith more in someone or in our finances or in politics or any of these other things rather than God. A good litmus test to determining what the object of our faith is is when that thing when that person fails us, it sends us into orbit. Nothing will satisfy. Nothing can be there for us like our God. Not that these things are inherently bad, right? But remember, a good thing that becomes a God thing becomes a what? An idol. An idol. Surrender that to the Lord today. See, the plea here isn't simply to have faith like Abraham. The plea is to have faith in the object of Abraham's faith. Who did Abraham trust in? Trust in the Lord, Yahweh, the God of heaven. God's promise to Abraham was land, nation, and lastly, blessing. He says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Families means clans, people groups, tribes. And God says, I'm going to bless you, and in turn, All nations will be blessed. It's this idea of blessed to be a blessing. And God brings clarity to this promise of blessing over time. In Exodus 19, he tells them, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, God's representatives. Leviticus, he tells them, to be holy is I am holy. Holy means set apart, different. We were to be God's representatives on earth who would take after his likeness. You see, the blessing in Genesis 12 is the blessing of being in relationship with God. All families will be blessed because they would see Israel walking with God. They would acknowledge that he is the one true God. And they would put their faith in Yahweh too. Doesn't this sound familiar? Doesn't this sound familiar? Remember, 2 Corinthians tells us that we are ambassadors. We are legal representatives for God. He makes his appeal through us. Listen, church, according to this promise, when we walk in relationship with God, when our vertical relationship is right, by the power of his spirit, God makes us and is making us holy, set apart, different, in such a way that causes others our horizontal relationships to know By our actions and by our words, God invites them into a relationship with himself. Church, the last thing I want to show you in in, in this section is this. Let's live our lives in a way. Let's live our lives in a way that beg people to trust in God. Let's live our lives in a way that, that, that makes it so obvious that Jesus is God. They can't help but see something is going on. A question to consider is actually from the last community group handout. Thank you, Tanner Parrish. When was the last time? When was the last time somebody became interested in the things of God because of how you lived your life? I just want us to think about this. And this this isn't meant to condemn. Remember, we want to spur one another on. But the question is, when, when was the last time somebody became spiritually interested in Jesus because of how you lived your life? Church, we want to be Courageous, not comfortable. And might I add, we want to be contagious. Remember, there are 750,000 people across this greater Medford area who are restlessly waiting for the hope of Jesus in church? <laughs> we have the answer. We have the answer. We should beg people, trust in Jesus. God's promise to Abraham was land nation and blessing. Now I could end here, I could end here, I'm not going to, uh, I could end here, and, and, and it may be a decent moral sermon, right? Abraham had faith, we too should be people of faith, you know, trusting God. Like it's not bad, but like Oprah could preach that sermon, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's not the gospel, like give me the gospel, show me where Jesus comes in. So where is Jesus? Why don't you turn to Hebrews chapter 11? She turned to Hebrews chapter 11. And there's, I don't believe there's there's any way that Abraham could have known all that was going to transpire. He simply had faith and it pleased God, right? Let's read from Hebrews chapter 11 here and and start to dig into how this promise points us to Jesus. Hebrews, let's start, start in verse eight for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. So she would considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, when they had Isaac, Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. From this one man were born descendants. As many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Church, let me show you this morning that God had something huge in mind whenever he made this promise to Abraham. As redemptive history would progress, God was more and more specific about the blessing that would be for all the families of the earth. And buckle up and hang on tight. In Genesis 3.15, God said there would be a child of man who would crush the head of the serpent. Remember in Genesis 17, we read earlier that he told Abraham and Sarah that nations and kings would come from them. He says in Genesis 49, it, it began to speak of the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know where I'm going. And he says, the scepter, which means the rule or authority, it shall not depart from the tribe of Judah. In 2 Samuel 7, God is speaking to King David, who was, oh, by the way, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Judah. God says, moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring. There's that word again, offspring, nation, seed. I will raise up your seed after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house, a dwelling, a tabernacle for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. In Isaiah 11, it says, in that day, the root of Jesse, the son of David, who shall stand as a signal, as a banner of him, shall the nations Inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Zechariah 13, on that day there shall be a fountain, praise God, open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And Joel 2 says that it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Matthew, Matthew in chapter 1 of his gospel, leave it to the tax collector, the math nerd, right, to spell it out plainly for us. He traces Abraham to David, David to the exile, the exile to Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus' church. The ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of this promise from Abraham's seed, from Abraham's offspring would come the one who would be a blessing to all the nations, for all the families of the earth. That is the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, Yahweh, is salvation. He is the promise. Jesus is the blessing. And, and church, the good news, the good news, listen to me, is that this promise is not just a promise for one family in the Fertile Crescent. It's not just for, for one people group or one ethnicity. This promise is not just for the religious elite. Its promise is for you. Its promise is for me. How did we get this, this promise? How did Jesus give us this? By becoming a curse. Jesus became a curse for us so that we could have the blessing. Listen to Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our, this is a prophecy speaking about the Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus gave us the blessing by becoming a curse. See, the Bible says that, that, that we are all sinners, that according to God's standards, we can never measure up. God is holy and perfect and in the presence of this holy and perfect God, you and I, no matter how good we are, like, no matter how we didn't, like, cuss out that guy that cut us off a minute ago on the street, like, no matter how, man, we, we, were, we were nice to our parents earlier, or no matter how good we are, according to God's standard, it's never good enough. But Jesus came. This is the good news. He came, and he lived the perfect life. He never sinned. He was the perfect uh, demonstration of walking with the law. Fulfilled the law perfectly. He was brutally, brutally murdered. The most humiliating and most brutal way of death at the time was a Roman crucifixion. And, and, And in his crucifixion, God poured out all of all of his just wrath towards us, towards me and you. And Jesus willingly took it all. He was buried for three days, and three days later, he rose from the grave demonstrating his power, his defeat, his victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, proving that he is God, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father where he lives to make intercession for us, the saints' church. Jesus gave us the blessing by becoming a curse. The question is, how might one receive this blessing? By faith. Remember, Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. This is how we receive the promise of Jesus. Look, faith in Jesus, this is the main idea of today. If you're writing, I'd love for you to write this down. Faith in Jesus is the only way to receive the righteousness of God, a relationship with God, and to inherit the promises of God. Faith in Jesus is the only way. When we come to God through faith in Jesus, watch this. Just as Abraham, we're made righteous. Romans 4 tells us, Romans 4 tells us, but the words it was counted to him, he's quoting back from Genesis 15, the words it was counted to him were not written for Abraham's sake alone, but for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. When we come to God through faith in Jesus, yes, He makes us righteous and he, we are brought into, we are adopted into God's family. Galatians 3 tells us this Paul writes, Know then that it is those of faith, you and I who believe in Jesus, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that was the non-Jews, that was the nations, the multitude of nations, everybody else. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith faith at the end of Galatians 3 Paul says this for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither male nor female. he breaks down all distinctions for you are all one in Christ Jesus and lastly when we come to faith In Jesus, we are made heirs of the promises of God. Somebody needs to hear this today. There's hope here today. Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are an heir according to the promise. What do we look forward to inheriting? So again, somebody, don't grow weary this morning. Christian, don't grow weary. We look forward to the land, as Revelation 21 tells us, the new heavens and the new earth As John the Revelator writes, the new Jerusalem coming out from heaven, adorned as a bride for the bridegroom. We look forward to the nation. Revelation 7 tells us that around the great throne, there will be a great multitude of nations from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord. And we look forward to the ultimate blessing of walking with God in Revelation 21. It says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. He will be their God and we will be his people. Church, Christian, don't grow weary this morning. Don't forget that you are an heir of the promises of God. And we have great hope this morning faith in Jesus is the only way it's the only way to receive God's righteousness the only way for a relationship with God and the only way to inherit these promises of God and so if you are not walking with Jesus this morning I'm going to ask a couple of questions for you to consider during our time of, of response if you are not walking with Jesus today do, do you want to receive this promise do you want to receive the promise of Jesus today I beg you I beg you, if he's calling out to you, say yes to him today. Say yes to him. You may not have all the answers to your questions. You may not have all the answers to your objections. You may not have it all, but I I wonder if God has shown you enough for you to know that he is Lord. He is worthy of it all. For those who are already walking with Jesus in the room, I wanna ask you, is there anything causing you to waver in unbelief? Remember, there are things that can so easily creep up and cloud our mind, whether it's, it's fear, like I talked about, anxiety, insecurity. Don't let those agents of unbelief stop you short of what God, God is promising to do in your life. Is there anything causing you to waver? I would, I would beg you to let go and surrender it to God this morning. A second question is who or what has become the object of your faith? Has something creeped up, become an idol in your life? Surrender it today. Lastly, before I pray, is there a step of obedience? Is there a step of obedience that God is calling you to take? And remember, just like Abraham, you're not going to know all the details. (laughs) You're not going to know how it all works out. The call to Abraham was go to a place. I'll show you when you get there. You're not gonna know how it's all gonna work out, but you know the God who makes the promise and you know that God is faithful. I wanna ask you to simply step out in faith this morning. Let's pray together and then we'll have a time of response as we sing. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this word. And prayer team, you can come forward and be ready.